the media continues to encourage quantitative easing. Let's have a look. Hello everyone, I'm Florian Heiser and welcome to another episode of Heiser Says. Once again, working through my Stein of coffee, when I thought we would have a look at this article from ABC News, an opinion piece saying the RBA must rethink monetary policy and once again discussing quantitative easing. I get the feeling more and more it is coming into the media and people are getting prepared for the idea. Now, what is quantitative easing? Before we go into this article, I'm going to make mention of a video I did on the 6th of this month, three days ago, which was Australian quantitative easing. And I will link to it in the card up above or later in this video, probably I'll do it at the one minute mark to really give you an overview of what it is, of what it is, because it's a bit concerning. And I would say it wouldn't really help address let's say some of the wealth inequalities in our civilization, if anything, it will would exacerbate them more than ever. And the countries that have been applying this, frankly, have proven that it doesn't work. Japan is a case in point. They've been doing it forever or living memory. Now, how does it work? I'll link to this video and you can go into it in detail, but essentially it means the reserve bank buying securities and government bonds. And, you know, this is the Money Smart website. I will link to this so you can read through it. But what are government bonds? The Commonwealth of Australia issues bonds called Commonwealth Government Security. A form of these bonds is available to trade on the Australian Securities Exchange. These investments provide investors with a predictable cash flow paid on a periodic basis with a specified maturity date. And the premise is that they're low risk, regular income, and they're easy to buy and trade. You're lending money to the state and the state will pay you back at a fixed time and they're freely traded on the market. And often you have a certain percentage rate, but then you know the trade rate, what is traded on the market changes. So your yield, your return kind of averages out. And in some states, it's approaching negative, some nations. And I mean, who? this is where you can trade them. Who here owns bonds, guys? Let me know in the comments if you have personally bought any government bonds. Because I would hazard a guess, I would hazard a guess, and what we're seeing everywhere in the world is large institutions are the primary holders of bonds. So by the government buying it, it drives up the price, they make more money. What do they do with that money? What do they do with it? They reinvest it generally in more securities, driving up more prices. The, the wealth effect doesn't really transfer to the greater populace. Will it have the same impact on, well, let's say I spoke about our retail sector in recession this morning. On the re Will it have the same impact on the resale sector as other forms of stimulus? Is it going to work or is it just going to create more problems? This is something we need to dis consider, particularly, particularly when we're getting pieces like this appearing in the media more and more frequently to prep people for this money printing. Now, if you think these type of videos are important, if you think you know, more people should be made aware of what's going on and you know, a, perhaps a contrarian opinion or someone who digs a little deeper than what you see in the news, please share this channel, share these videos and help spread the word. I would like things like this to be discussed, QE, to be discussed at the barbecue after you talk about the footy, after you run out of the rum, you know, because frankly, we need to start holding our leaders to account or else we're just going to continue along the same path. 
So I'm going to have a stein of, well, a sip of my coffee before we head into this article. And remember, this is an opinion piece by Stephen uh, Kirshner. When interest rates approach zero, the RBA must rethink monetary policy. Or maybe we need to rethink the whole theory of monetary policy and start to realize that this experiment we've been running for about 100 years is coming to an end. Maybe maybe we need to look at some other schools of economic theory. Just, just maybe. I'm a bit biased there. When people think of monetary policy, do they? Do they think of monetary policy? Do the average Joe even care? I mean, they think of buying a block like this, moving the house, building two houses and selling it. That's, that's what they think. So when people think of monetary policy, they usually think of the Reserve Bank of Australia changing its official cash rate. This is the rate at which banks borrow and lend to each other overnight. It's a big influence, but not the only one, on the interest rates bank charge to their customers. However, when the official cash rate approaches zero, the RBA needs to consider alternative approaches to implementing monetary policy. One approach is quantitative easing. And you have to realize this entire system, we are all essentially required to play. We can't opt out. Now with the cash ban that's being pushed through parliament, it's going to be even harder for people to opt out. I guess that's what they want. They want to capture the tax. The amount of tax that we get that gets taxed here in Australia and how much is wasted. It's just no surprise at all that our economy is just stagnant. With quantitative easing, instead of changing an official interest rate, the RBA buys government bonds or other assets. This lowers long-term interest rates, interest margins, and the Australian dollar exchange rate. So what I will bring up here, now the Australian dollar exchange rate, if it's going down, I'm just going to open up my favorite website here just to reiterate an issue. This is the Observatory of Economic Complexity, and you can look at the goods that Australia is importing. Okay, if the dollar goes down, while exports, primitive stuff, is more affordable, but all our imports, advanced things, are more expensive. This is going to affect our day-to-day -day lives. Maybe they want, you know, what's the incentive if government, here's an example, if government in Queensland is charging a duty when you register a new car, what incentive is there for the government to keep the price down of vehicles? None. They don't care. They'll get more money if it goes higher. It's, it's counterintuitive, really. Let's jump to trading economics and let's just have a look at the current Australian US exchange rate, 67.2. So there you go. So they're encouraging it to go down further. And remember, a drop in the Aussie dollar increases or decreases our purchasing power globally. That'll affect our cost of living. How many of you, let me know in the comments, guys, how many of you are using international services, online services? Like the program I'm using here to, to draw on this. This is OneNote. I get it part of my Microsoft subscription, which is charged to Ireland. Surprisingly, even my Autodesk stuff charged to Ireland. All these, these software programs I rent. So, the cash received by the sellers of government bonds supports the supply of credit and money in the economy. So here you go. This is an important part. They're increasing the money supply. It's not like the RBA is taking money out of one bucket and putting it to another. It's generated from nothing, increasing the monetary supply. So that means there's more fiat money floating around. What do you think that will do to inflation and the value of that money? So the RBA is going to get the best 
bang for buck because they're the first ones spending it. And then these institutions that spend it again will get the next best best well, value for money until inflation kicks in and the purchasing power of that money decreases. And what does that do to all of us? Well, on an international level, it decreases our purchasing power and on a local level, it decreases our purchasing power. Sorry, decreases in both regards. Essentially, it's like getting char inflation to think of it as another tax. Another tax you pay for the joy of being part of you know, this monetary system. So an alternative to lowering interest rates. Quantitative easing works. Okay, no, let's cross that out. Quantitative easing is expected to work in much the same way as a cut in interest rates, and there is nothing exceptional or unorthodox about it. Really? Well, yeah, right. It's just printing money. It's just a new way of the state printing money. Every failed state has done it. Yeah, that's worked really well. Really well. Does anyone, you know, let us know in the comments, guys, if you've got some of those Zimbabwean notes, like a billion dollars or some insane amount, a zillion dollar notes. I took a photo of it when I went to a, a um, stacker. So, it is simply a different tool for monetary policy to use when the official interest rate is near zero. Yes, because being near zero is, is you know, not exceptional or unorthodox at all. I mean, come on. <laughs> While some have argued that monetary policy has become less effective, RBA Assistant Governor Chris Kent has shown that monetary policy can still work well. Really? Um, I don't care what he's shown. What about Japan and China? That's real-world evidence. This is the thing. Guys, it's easy to have a theory and to demonstrate something theoretical, but the actual practical implications of it can often be different. Because, frankly, we've got our economists here that believe macro-micro and don't understand <laughs> Austrian the Austrian School of Economics, and don't appreciate the role of banks in the, you know, the dilution of monetary, or the increase, the increase of the monetary supply. So even if it went through, the, that monetary policy had become less effective. This would be an argument for using monetary policy more aggressively, not less. Okay, so, so what he's saying here is, if we've got evidence that it's not working, just do more of the same. Sure. And this is the kicker. This is the real worrying thing. There is no, in principle, limit to the size of quantitative easing other than domestic inflation. And there's no limit to inflation. It can go insane. Now, just think about this. What other times in history have civilization just inflated away their problems to the point where it's just all collapsed? I mean, we can all think of the Roman civilization. They're diluting their, their value of their money to the point where it was worthless. Even if quantitative easing were thought to have only a small effect, it is always possible to calibrate the size of quantitative easing to get a larger impact. This means that monetary policy will remain effective even when interest rates are near zero. So what they're doing is they are increasing inflation, increasing monetary supply, and they're going to destroy the value of your savings. They're going to destroy the purchasing power of the money that you have. So all of that time that you've worked and saved, going to be inflated to nothing because they want to encourage you to spend your money to keep the economy going. We'll have to see. I think today we've got, uh, what is a business confidence coming out? I'll just check on this calendar over here. NAB business confidence for September. So we'll have a look at what's, um, how it's sitting and the job advertisements for September. We'll see how that's sitting later today. So 
Many assume that because interest rates are low by historic standard, monetary policy must already be stimulatory. But the level of the cash rate tells us very little about the effective stance of monetary policy. So how did we get here? How did we get here indeed? The RBA has kept monetary policy too high for too long. Sorry, monetary policy too tight for too long. With inflation falling below the 2 to 3% target range from the end of 2014. Okay, here's one thing to consider. Here's one thing to consider. The inflation, they've got a target of 2 to 3%. Now, what they don't count in inflation is house existing houses and land because that's just the transaction you know from one party to another in the housing sector but you know i will bring up a chart here that will just show you the amount of foreign investment in our housing sector what was it what is it saying 2014 they haven't kept track of inflation look at that the black line that's the percentage of all building approvals for homes that is for foreign investment blue is new which is not counted in sorry which is counted the house portion of that is counted in cpi the land isn't and red is existing but i mean if this is going up it's going to affect the valuation of every single existing dwelling and not everyone's buying new houses not the locals now if we count the effect of this property increase in inflation it bumps it up by 0.5 percent so then we would be on the target but they're ignoring that so they're ignoring a whole aspect of the economy how many people are struggling to save for a home and limiting their consumption in the economy to do that. How many people are tightening their belt? A lot of people. I mean, in Sydney and Melbourne, it's just insane, the property prices. So people are tightening their belt. They're saving their money, like anything. And that will have a flow-on effect to the rest of the economy. But anyway, what do I know? I'm just a YouTuber. So... More seriously, people no longer believe the RBA will meet its inflation target in the future. Well, who has any confidence in the RBA? They are always surprised every time we hear a new speech. Unexpected, unexpected, unexpected. Or the economy is sound based on what? On what? And they're just trying to, trying to encourage people to spend on crap they don't need. The RBA sat on its hands between August 2016 and June this year. Even as inflation fell, fearing that further cuts in interest rates would fuel growth in housing debt and house prices. Well, let's, let's just jump here and we'll, we'll reiterate some of these things. We'll reiterate some of these things. We'll go to, we'll jump to Australia, guys. Now, there's two things that he mentioned here was housing debt and house prices. Now, house prices, well, we all know they've gone up. Well, they're at un, unaffordable levels, really with regards to household income. Now let's have a look to, well, there's government debt to GDP. We'll jump at that one, but we will look at consumer household debt to GDP. I mean, here's government debt. You can see over 10 years, look at the max data. I mean, that's hitting high. Household debt to GDP. Let's look at the max data, 120%, 120%. So you've got to remember, every time people borrow money to buy a house, this this boom that we've had in you know, apartments and housing, that is future spending that's been deferred. That's been deferred. So, well, yet the RBA's own research shows this should not have been a concern. Really? 
An increase in house housing supply eventually saw a decline in house prices and a moderation in mortgage lending, as the RBA always expected. But what about the decline in foreign investment in that sector? Why is that not mentioned? What about how insignificant it was? Why is that not mentioned here? Why is he ignoring that? Or is he not aware of it? And th these statistics I'm showing you here, I've been told by brokers that in the past, you know, before 2014, it just wasn't reported properly. No one knew who had to report it. Everyone just couldn't be bothered. Can you see that happening? The RBA also underestimate, underestimated the flexibility of the labor market. The RBA assumed that inflation would rise on the back of stronger wage growth as the labor market tightened. But the real relationship between the labor market and inflation runs the other way. Tight monetary policy and low inflation cripple nominal wage growth and keep the unemployment rate higher than it needed to be. The RBA now concedes that the unemployment rate could be lowered, lowered to 4.5% from the current 5.3% without triggering inflation. While Tuesday's interest rate announcement suggests the RBA would now target full employment, the emerging global downturn makes it unlikely the RBA will be able to make significant inroads into the unemployment rate. The challenge now is to stop the unemployment rate from rising as the world economy turns down. Yes, and I would say that's completely outside of their capabilities to deal with. Our economy is so dependent now on the global economy. Nothing is manufactured here. Hardly anything. We're a primitive economy, and I mentioned that in a video yesterday. We're mainly exporting raw resources that get sent overseas. And we're significantly dependent on China to a significant extent. So, so has tight monetary policy weakened the economy? The RBA's tight monetary policy has left the Australian economy with a very weak starting point going into a global downturn. Quantitative easing is often seen as aggressive or extreme, but extended periods of low interest rates and quantitative easing are usually symptomatic of monetary policy that has not been used nearly aggressively enough. The good news is that quantitative easing can help get monetary policy and the economy back on track. Yes, but it costs to everyone. And has it worked? Where's the evidence where it's worked? My research for the United States Studies Center on the U.S. experience shows that quantitative easing is effective. Well, let, let's let's see how the U.S. economy plays out again. Are they are they in their fourth round of QE? Some people are denying it. These estimates are likely to be understated because the U.S. Federal Reserve went out of its way to limit the transmission of quantitative easing to the rest of the economy, fearful it would be too potent and lead to excessive inflation. These concerns proved misplaced. By pulling its punches, the Fed ended up underperforming its mandate and had to pursue quantitative easing for longer than would have been the case if it had used monetary policy more aggressively at the beginning of the economic downturn of 2008. The government should not attempt to use fiscal policy as a substitute for monetary policy. As former RBA Governor Glenn Stevens argued in 2008, fiscal policy has significant limitations when used for demand management. Instead, the government should put in place a new agreement with the RBA governor that includes stronger accountability mechanisms to ensure the RBA delivers on its mandate. So, very interesting. Very interesting. We should wait and see how the US goes in the next few years. And 
I mean, that, that's the thing. This is such a small part of our economy and we're so dependent on international forces now. I've got little confidence that it'll make much difference. And it's going to, you know, it's going to cost every single consumer. Well, guys, let me know what you think. Are you concerned that we're hearing more and more about quantitative easing in the media? You know, are you preparing to buy some Australian government bonds to try and take advantage of QOE? Maybe make some money. Anyway, guys, please like, share, and subscribe. If you like this content and would like to help me produce more, I have a Patreon and subscribe star in the links below. Every little bit helps. I really appreciate it. And I will talk to you all again later. Take care.